Live now is right. Let's Hello. go. Welcome back to another episode of Fan Field Motorsports. Uh, I am again your interim host while Alex is at work. My name is Colton. I'm joined, as always, by Nathan Ball and then Jared Bakaisa down below me. Um, Jared, nice shirt. It's the dirt week. Thought I'd yep. break out the old Kyle Bush dirt shirt. I don't know if you can see that. Hell yeah. Breaks that Bristol last year. I love dirt shirts. I think they're just the right amount of gaudy on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, Nate, what have you been up to? Nothing really. I kind of just went to the gym and I went to McDonald's and that's pretty much a usual day for me. So, so does work. So does uh, working out and then having McDonald's right after kind of cancel out or does that it, it cancels it out? It out yeah. Like yeah. I, that's why I don't <laughs> lose any weight. I just kind of sit here. Yeah. All <laughs> that work, all that work just to get ruined by McDonald's. I love it. And I then, just I I work out more to not get fat than I do anything lose, else. Yeah. <laughs> and Jared, what did you do this last weekend? I oh, think I, you were doing something. I can't uh, remember. I got to go to the Martinsville race on Saturday night. That was yeah. that was cold. That was I can honestly say that was the coldest race that I've ever gone to in my life, which I'm not gonna be upset about that. It's kind of cool to say that I experienced that, but it was also super early for me because usually at my first race that I go to in the year is usually like Dover in May or some like before it used to be Pocono in June. And this is April, I get to go to a NASCAR race. So I think that's a sign that I will probably be going to a lot more races this year. Hell yeah. Well, hopefully your wallet can handle it. Yeah, it will. <laughs> we'll see. It doesn't help when you spend $160 at the Kyle Bush merch trailer and then go spend $18 and hot dogs at the hot dog stands yeah. hey so. 18 bucks ain't bad that's, that's like that's good. like one that's like one meal at the daytona concession yeah, yeah. i i figured i honestly i did not expect the martinsville hot dog to be two dollars i thought it was i thought in all reality this was like a big type of deal i thought it was going to be like a seven dollar hot dog or something you know how a lot of places have like the specialty burger or something that's like eight dollars ten dollars i thought the hot dog was going to be like some massive thing for like seven bucks and now i see it for two bucks i'm like dude that's cheaper than like if i go to a baseball game like you go to to a baseball game and you pay four bucks for a little hot dog that you can go to walmart and get a 12 pack for like three bucks now, did you get them plain or did you get them fully? Oh, loaded? I had I I had to get everything. I got the onions, the slaw, the sauce on it. I, I'm not getting that plain dog. I'm getting the whole yeah. experience. And I thought it was so good. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get some more. So the first order I got, I'm like, screw it, give me four hot dogs. And then I'm like, <laughs> I got to four. I eat those before the driver intros. And I'm like, shoot, this is just like the movies. I'm gonna have all these hot dogs on before the race even starts. Because my yeah. plan, my plan was to get a bunch of hot dogs after that. So I went back and got five more because it, it is true. I was told that if you don't get your hot dog before the race, you are not getting your hot dog during the race because you will be in line unless you want to miss like 50 laps or so. But I got five more hot dogs and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to save a couple of these. I'm going to eat them during the stage break or something. And then next thing you know, we get some sleet and rain and snow that was not in the forecast at all. At 10 o'clock in the morning, I checked, there was like a 2% chance of precipitation. And all of a sudden, right after driver intros, we see all the rain and snow come in. I'm like, shoot, this sucks. So I got an hour of, pre-game to wait for the pre-race stuff so the hot dogs were gone before like they even started the pace lap so damn well you were nice and full though that's pretty good oh i was stuffed i was i was in i enjoyed the race like just from like the satisfied like wow i'm stuffed with food right now i was just sitting back most of the time enjoying the cars go 
I sat about four rows up from the track, so that was that was kind of cool to experience. Hell yeah, yeah. I always said if I go to Martinsville, I'd buy like eight or ten of them and just keep them like pocket dogs. Yeah, you're. Yeah, they'll be gone before they'll be gone quicker yeah, than you for, think because they so are. The people stands for five bucks piece. Yeah, they're they're so good. Yeah, they're so good. I want I want another one. Yeah, right I'm just thinking worth, of it. Worth the hype, huh? I've never. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, like when it comes to food, it doesn't take much to please me. But like two bucks for a hot dog like that, and yeah. eat nine of them before the race even starts within an hour. That's it wasn't good on my stomach. I will say, like a couple, like the next day. Ugh. Yeah, I'm sure, especially <laughs> with all the chili and slaw and onions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was fun going down, but like, yeah, afterwards. Uh, it's I know better story. to get racetrack chili. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, with that being said, Nate, I know you did. Jared, did you watch the Xfinity race on Saturday? I caught. Or no, I was traveling to. I was traveling that day, so I listened to it on the radio. But I was able to. I heard. I heard what it was all about, and then I got to see some of the replays afterwards. But I'll let Nate go first on this one. Yeah. So I watched most of it. I didn't pay attention to all of it, but I did watch the whole race. Like sometimes I was doing stuff and I had it on in the background, but. It seemed like Ty Gibbs pretty much straight dominated the whole race. I mean, he probably led like over half, probably three quarters, maybe, maybe more than that. And then obviously a caution comes out at the end and he was in good shape at one point. Like he did get hit from behind by Brandon Jones. I didn't think that he had it at that point, but he actually still came out with the lead despite getting hit. And then he kind of just overdrove turn three. And then that was... That was the end of his race. <laughs> yeah. I, Brandon Jones really surprised me because he was on a, a different tire strategy than most other guys. So he had a ton of laps on his tires compared to everyone else there. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, when it came down to the end, yeah, Ty just – I mean, I don't know if it was pressure that got to him or what. But, yeah, we saw him make a lot of mistakes those last couple laps there. Um, we did see a big star make his yearly start in the Xfinity Series and Dale Jr. Um, what did you think of that? Ooh. Uh, I was excited for it because I like seeing him do well and I like seeing him do these part-time races just for enjoyment. But it was, I'll be honest, it was kind of a struggle for him for the first two thirds of the race. It felt like he was just running in the twenties or whatever, because he started way out back and I think he got spun in one of the restarts and then he made it through the, the last pileup. And I don't, I don't know where he finished exactly, but I think he ended up a lot better than where he could have been. I think he was in top 10 still, wasn't he? Yeah, right around there after that big Cause he Because he got his car fixed up and then just beat all those guys who were still working on the cars out of pit road and was able yeah. to keep, get a decent finish out of it for being a one-off type of deal. But, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I like seeing Junior run those races. I wish I didn't have work and I could have actually been able to go see that race. I was also hoping it would have rained Friday night and maybe get a doubleheader of Xfinity Cup yeah. on Saturday. But, yeah. Um, yeah, Junior's always cool one to see. I like his little one-off races he does. Um, I always make it a point to watch him just because um, he does bring kind of a different element to it because um, he is complete fuck it mode almost. Um, so it is kind of cool to see, and he was having a really good race. The problem with Martinsville, it's it, he keeps saying it's a fun track to race, but it's also a super um, big rhythmic track. So if you're not in the car every single week or if you're not keeping up on it, it it's a really hard track to just jump right in and compete at, which he still did a pretty damn good job. I thought um, up until he did get spun, um, I don't know, handful of laps to go with that incident with the Josh Berry and Jeremy Clements. Um, yeah. 
We did see a bulldozer on the track in the number 07 of Joe Graff Jr. I think he wrecked like four or five cars. Like his nose was beat in 50 laps into the race. Oh, yeah. It was like the Brian Vickers Martinsville 2011 <laughs> thing where his, yeah. his car was just beat up. He was missing his front, like he's missing part of his fender, missing part of his hood. And it just, he kept coming. He kept getting more and more and more. And it was just, I was surprised. But after like the second or third one, I was like, it's fine. Just keep him in the race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you get to that many cars, you might as well just keep going. Like, if you wreck three cars and you're on a roll, like, just keep going. See how many – you already pissed off a bunch of people. You might as well just keep it up. Yeah, I usually say <laughs> after two or three, I start rooting for the guy. Like, if he runs into two or three guys, I'm like, ah, come on. you got to do better than that. And then after that, I'm like, all right, let's 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 see how high we can get this number here. Let's get to eight. And yeah. he, was, he was damn close. I don't know what his final total was, but it was a lot. Um. Yeah, no breaks on probably that. Probably like five, I would assume. It was probably close to five, yeah. Definitely um, have a lot of rivals in the old NASCAR game. Yeah, if if, <laughs> if y'all would have told me there was going to be a fight after the race and I just saw like the first two-thirds of it, I had a bet a ton oh, yeah. on, on Joe Graff getting his ass whipped. Um, there was a late wreck that we did allude to. Um, Sam Mayer on a restart, I think he just missed a shift or spun his tires really bad. Yeah. Um, ended up getting turned into his teammate Noah Gregson, and it started a parking lot in the corner. Um, when this happened, uh, Cheyenne and I were actually going to go run up to Walgreens to go get some cold medicine. And as soon as I saw the cars all park up, I was like, all right, let's go real quick because it's going to be a while. <laughs> the whole time I had like the race on my phone, and we're going through Walgreens, and I made it back like by the time engines fired. Perfect timing. Yeah, not surprising. I mean, you have a pile up like that in any race, you're going to have enough time to. I mean, I went to, uh, what well, race was it? I think it was. <coughs> well, Fontana, was... I got Dairy Queen. Yeah, it was one. Of... It wasn't for me, it was a different race. I went to, uh, I think it was Coda. Coda, I was able to go to Chick fil A, get some food, and then come back, and I didn't miss a single thing. Hell yeah. Yeah, so that was a mess. Um, now, the big drama of the night started in that last restart there. Um, we saw what happened the last lap. Ty Gibbs overshot a corner. Brandon Jones got under him. And ultimately, Sam Mayer was able to get to the bumper of Ty Gibbs, knock him out of the way, wash him up the track a little bit, um, and then a temper tantrum ensued. Nate, you've had some strong fucking opinions on this. Yeah, I don't know. Like I thought it was kind of weak because if you listen to DBC – I normally don't listen to DVC, but I saw the condensed videos when I was at the gym. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to see this. And one of their videos a couple days before the race said, Ty Gibbs can dish it out, but is he going to be able to take it? And lo and behold, a couple days later, he can't take it because I don't think that's anything different than what he would have done. Like, I think he would have done the exact same thing the mayor did, if not worse. You know, he probably would have plastered him against the wall for good measure, but yeah. I was just surprised that he was so I, – I was just amazed that he couldn't take it back because it's like that's something that he clearly would have done. Like it wasn't super egregious or anything. Yeah, yeah I don't know why he got like so upset about it towards the end because, you know, it's obviously yeah. – it's what Sam Mayer said, it's short track racing. It's short track racing. That's what he said the week before about the John underneath check thing. So I don't think there was a need for him to go down and slam his Sam's bumper at the end multiple times. And it's one of those situations too, like you get yourself back there. Who's It's not Sam Mayer's fault you got in that issue. It's your fault that you didn't get a good restart and just drive away from the field with that dominant car that you had all day. Right, exactly. Like, if Ty Gibbs needs to be pissed at anyone, he needs to be pissed at himself for overdriving the corner and putting himself in that spot. 
Um, and if you watch the replay, yeah, Sam puts a bumper to him, and then Ty turns down on top of Sam Mayer and Landon Castle, forces Castle up on the curb, um, and then when they get loose, that's what kind of washes Ty up. Granted, Sam didn't try to fix it. You know, he definitely rode it, rode the wave, and almost put him in the wall. But keyword almost. You know, it's not like it's, all, right. I mean, it's also it's also one two laps to go coming to that at that point. Right, and they're so. racing for a hundred grand at that point. Like, yeah, that was I what the final corner. And I honestly think that someone said it best is that I think Steve Latart said this best. He said that if you're going to do that to other people, you kind of just open up people wanting to do that to you because I'm sure Sam Mayer would have thought twice if it was the cleanest driver in the world in front of him. Maybe he doesn't right. touch him, but it's Ty Gibbs. So it's like, I think, why not? Yeah. He, he's built that reputation over the last, you know, like even an Arca and he, he's all these Arca guys are coming up also. So like, I think now that Sam Mayer stepped up, I think you're going to see some other guys just be like, all right, Sam did it. So we're going to keep going. Right. Right. And, uh, rules yeah, for, me, not and for me. Ty Gibbs have not liked each other for a long time. Like this sounds like a 20 year rivalry, even these, though these kids are like 19. Um, so, I mean, it'll be interesting because these kids are obviously on the same path. They're going to follow yep. the same career steps. Um, this is going to be a long time rivalry. Um, kind of like our generations, uh, uh, Bodine and Earnhardt. Um, so it's going to be cool. And then obviously, there was a big fight after the race. Um, I'm going to let you guys say your opinions, and then I'm going to tell you guys what actually happened. Okay, so I guess my opinion is, number one, I do feel like keeping the helmet on is kind of weak. Like, I, I'm not I'm not a fighter. I'm not a confrontational person. But I will say this, that if I'm going to fight, I probably won't have a helmet on because I'm probably not thinking about that. But on the flip side, I will say that Sam Mayer, he had a perfectly good opportunity to grab him by the chin and get him on the ground. And he didn't, it's like, yeah. you got an open goal right there. You got to take that. Yeah. I think, I mean, the whole thing starts like don't shove a guy and then walk away. Right. I mean, we saw that mm -hmm. with like Logano and Hamlin at Martinsville a couple years ago and you see what happens, but like, even with the fight aside, I'm still like just upset with how all the, like, I think there was an official that got hurt. I think you just need to like, let the dudes just fight and then, Right. Hockey style, you know, just let them do their thing and then don't intervene because obviously people are going to get hurt out of that. So just let those guys handle it. Like I get, I get it as pit crew members. Like you want to stick up for your, your driver and stuff, you know, like if Colton, if we're about pick, if me and Nate are, you know, pit crew members for Colton's race team, Colton's getting in a scuffle, you know, I'm going to go over there and like, oh, I'm just going to go beat, beat the other pit crew members up too. Like I get that. I get the whole heat at the moment type of deal, but I think like, just for safety precautions and stuff. I think that's something that they need to implement in like driver's meetings or just like a role in general, like let the boys have at it, but like also let's do it in a safe way. Let, let it do it hockey style because you see in hockey fights, I mean, there are sometimes you get the full bench clearing brawls, but in a majority of the time, you know, they just let the two guys settle it out. Like even the players, you know, they'll just sit back, just let those two take care of it and then go from there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do like, I've always said this, if I ever owned a track, um, I would fine everyone who got in a fight in the pits $500, doesn't matter who. Um, but if you were to fight on the front stretch, I'd pay you both 500 bucks and an extra hundred bucks to the winner. Um, I think if, I don't think there's a way to, to move the fights from pit road um, onto the front stretch, just because then you're interfering with the celebration and the post-race interviews and whatnot. Um, and then plus all the guys park in pit road and they're just heated then they want to get it done. Um, however, Sam did make some mistakes in the fact that he chased after a dude with the helmet on and didn't throw him to the ground. Like Nate said, 
Um, but also I'm on the side of like, if someone's going to come up to me and shove an official out of the way and get in my face and start talking shit and push me, like it's, it's on from there. So I get why Sam did that. Um, also Ty, you started that shit and then you oh, yeah, he did. Punch. like Ty completely started it, instigated like he it. He kind of just pushed him a little bit, yeah, pushed him, walked away and then was surprised when Sam came back to him and started chirping. Like, of course, like. How can yeah. why do you get to get away with pushing people mm-hmm. and doing whatever and then run back to grandpa's motorhome? And you know, I don't um, get why he was so like, I don't understand. Like, he went ballistic over getting moved out of the way, and it's like over a bump on and the run. last corner, oh, for like eighth place or whatever, yeah, you know. And mm-hmm. it's like he's done way worse, right? So, I'm just interested to see where this goes in the future because I feel like everyone now is just gonna use up Ty Gibbs and just punt him out of the way because they know that he's going to do the same thing. He's definitely, definitely filling the villain role right now. So that takes some pressure off Kyle Bush in the future moving forward. Yeah, he is definitely moving into that role. There was a lot of people that he upset mostly because he didn't take his damn helmet off. Like he pushed Sam while Sam was taking his helmet off, take a minute and say, okay, hang mm-hmm. on. Let's, let's settle yeah. this. Here. Yeah. Kevin Harvick got absolutely grilled last year for it. And that everyone's, yeah. at least everyone's keeping the same energy with us. that. Right. So yeah. there, there. I mean, I think there's going to be in the future with. The, I'm looking forward to just waiting till we wrecks uh, Chase Elliott or some type of cut whenever he makes there. Because could you imagine that Twitter war Ty Gibbs versus Chase I, Elliott? I really I'm waiting for that. To, I'm to waiting for that. Noah Gragson shit up because I know Gragson would come yeah. back at him. Yeah, yeah. No matter if he has a helmet on or not, Noah is swinging like kidney <laughs> shots or something. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> honestly, like I'm interested. I feel like it's all going to come back and bite him because. Everybody knows like how he raced John Hunter Nemechek and how he races Ryan Sieg and how he races everybody. And it's like, sure yeah. enough, more people are going to do what Sam Mayer did. They're like, if he's going to move me out of the way, then I'm just going to move him out of the way. Right. And exactly. if he's going to throw a tantrum every time someone does it to him, then he's got to figure yeah. out like, maybe if I want people to race me clean, then I have to do the same to them. Right. And we did see that for a little while with uh, Logano. Like we saw a big yeah. period from like 2012 up until like 2016 where people would just use Logano up just because they know either a, he's going to ruin his race. He's going to throw a tantrum and start something on pit road. Um, or he's going to fucking figure it out. And eventually he did figure it out. Um, so I think that's definitely the direction Ty Gibbs is going. And I think he's going to get raced hard now for 12th, not just the lead, you know? Yeah. Yeah, even like the lap cars, if he's has like obviously he's gonna have like a dominating car at some tracks. I don't think the lap cars are going to make it easy for him in the future moving forward. But yeah, like you said with like Logano, I mean the same thing with like Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski moving up. Right. They all had their all had their moments. So like he, he's a good driver. Like don't get me wrong, but I think like he just needs some time right now to, and he'll eventually get there and he'll be a more respected driver probably in 10, 15 years from now. Yeah, I don't mind being him aggressive so long as he can take it. Take it when he's when he dishes it. Um, Chad says these younger racers don't know how to fight compared to the racers of years gone by. Those guys in the 60s, 70s, 80s would totally give these guys today an ass whipping. These guys fought for everything on track and off on a different level. I mean, you're not wrong. They were also like 40 years old and not 19. <laughs> and they also worked on their own cars. Right. And like fought at short tracks and stuff like that too. Like I guarantee this is probably Ty Gibbs first fight and Sam Mayer for that matter. Right. Yeah. I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sam looked like it was his first fight. Their um, generation now is just roasting each other on Twitter and. Yeah. We did, 
hear last year that Harrison Burton said after his fight with Noah that Toyota paid for MMA lessons for a lot of their drivers. So I'm wondering if Ty didn't get one or two of those lessons just to learn how to throw a jab. I'm um, sure he probably did. Like I'm they have sure like an, I don't know if you've seen it, but they have like an entire gym. Like they've got mm-hmm. all sorts of equipment. It's like a full on sports gym in North Carolina, like for just for the Toyota people. Yeah. So now I want Noah Gregson to kind of give Sam Mayer a couple lessons. So I think it'd be awesome. I'm just waiting for, like you said, I want to see a Ty Gibbs and Noah Gregson incident and see yeah. what happens there. That's probably going to happen at the finale, I think. Yeah. At some point, I mean, shit. <laughs> um, I hope it's next week. Yeah. Well, are they racing at Bristol? Uh, the I next race. Uh, next Talladega. Next- oh, no. That's a bad place to fight. Yeah, I wouldn't do it there. <laughs> oh, Maybe Darlington. The, Darlington would be a good one. Um, so on to the cup race. Um, that was kind of a snoozer. I'm not really going to call it a terrible race just because I have seen worse. Um, but there were clear issues. Um, we saw no lead changes on track. Jared, you were there. Yeah, it was. I saw it on Twitter. It was, it was a Pocono race at Martinsville. Everyone was kind of strung out. I mean, there was some passing here and there. I mean, there wasn't even like that much. Like, it wasn't like Richmond where there was like a strategy thing at the end. There was just like no tire wear, the whole track. There was like Nate and I were talking about it before the show. Like, there was like arrow issues there, the gear issues. Nate can get more in deep depth on that, but there just wasn't really much going on there. Like, there was a couple battles here and there. I think the most interesting thing was whenever Ross Chastain and Ryan Blaney were battling for a lap or two, but after that, they just kind of went separated and, but yeah, there, there just wasn't much. You got out into clean air. The leader was out there. I mean, if Chase Elliott didn't have that issue on pit road or whatever his issue was, then he probably leads 395 laps or so. If So yeah, it's, it was just one of, one of those races. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan. I mean, I get sometimes it's hard to pass, but when it's hard to pass for like, circumstances that you can fix it's just a lot it feels a lot worse because obviously they said that the first problem temperature is like freezing cold the second problem is the gear ratios were messed up so you could mess up a corner and still hold the spot because you can just make up for your mistake through shifting and then i think some of the other drivers mentioned arrow issues they mentioned being unable to turn when you're behind somebody they also mentioned that the cars are too fast in the corners. Like they're not slowing down enough. So the brake zones are way shorter. So it's harder to get inside of somebody if you only got like 50 feet to do so. And it's just like everything kind of just contributed to a worst case scenario. Yeah. I think for me, it was, I mean, I saw it in Ryan, uh, Ryan Blaney's interview where he said, yeah, as soon as you got behind someone, it was like arrow tight. Um, there was just no air going on your nose. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, another one was, uh, I mean, just the the sheer size and the power of these brakes cut down that braking zone by like a third. Um, So that already takes away some. And then, Nate, as you said, just increasing corner speeds. Um, I don't think that the gear ratio is something that can be solved overnight just because of the parts issues we already have. Um, But we have a long time till we get to another true asphalt short track race. Um, So it's definitely something that could be done. Um, So it's... It's something to look out for. Chad says that after Daytona um, and Atlanta wrecks in the cars and parts limited, you think it was a snoozer because they um, tried to just get Ooh, through a race and have a car that had to be worked on versus a new one get built. Probably. Um, I think probably I do remember a little bit. 
there was a comment yeah. I did remember from Chase Briscoe, and he said that there was a comment from Haley Deegan. I'm sure you guys have seen it. She's like, oh, we need to shorten the races by half because it cuts the quote-unquote riding out. And then Chase Briscoe immediately comes at her. Chris Gabehart immediately comes at her says, they are not riding around. Like, we run 400 qualifying laps because there's no tire fall off. Like, they have to push right. every single lap. And it's like, they just, it doesn't seem like it can be fixed overnight. Like you said, it's just kind of tough because that's just the way the cars are. It's the way the tires are. You don't really get much of a choice. I think if there was more tire management, you'd see more comers and goers for sure, though. Yeah, since we're on the topic of like tire management, I do think we have to look at how the weather play could have played a factor. I mean, how many races do you guys know that we've had that's like under forty degrees? I mean, one every three or four years. It's not yeah. very often. Like yeah. we don't. I think like with the new car and then having like the temperature, I don't think anyone was even expecting that. I mean, heck, I was not expecting. I checked the radar when I got there at ten a.m. It was like two percent chance of precipitation, partly cloudy, but then right during driver intros i see them all coming out in their coats and jackets i'm like yeah it's kind of cool down then we get like a random little rainstorm then there's some sleet then there's like some snow i'm like this is going to change a lot of things you know i think cold tires on a cold track with a new car i think that also played a huge factor so you know we go back there later this year and even in november it's still a little bit chilly but i think it's during the day also. So I think if we get a warmer race, warmer tires, there's going to be more tire fall off, more tire wear. And I just don't like all the comments I'm also seeing on how the next gen's kind of killed short tracks because like, it's still early. I mean, Richmond wasn't terrible. I mean, if you didn't like that Richmond race, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Cause that, I thought that was a good race And Martinsville. I like, you're not going to have, we say this every week, whenever there's a race like this, you're not going to get every race. It's going to be a green, white checker finish. And, especially at Martinsville too. Like I was telling someone like, I don't think you really want to have a Martinsville race, kind of like the cutoff race this early in the season, because I don't right. think no one's trying to make enemies this early in the season. You know, if uh, Joey Logano would have punted William Byron out of the, at the last lap, you know, like that's going to be a long season for Joey Logano because some, like, you know, people aren't going to be happy about that. And it's just going to drag on the whole year. He's just going to get expected to get dumped to the next Martinsville race. So I do think there were some more people playing conservative and not trying to like, make anyone mad because you didn't i don't know if they could even because they weren't able to get as close to each other but yeah i, I just think if anything this is just a good learning experience for this next gen to have a cold race because you know we might have another cold race i know kansas in the fall sometimes gets cold with the wind and stuff and you're gonna have races that are gonna have rain before the race or get pushed back into the nighttime it's going to get colder out so i think this is a good this was a good learning experience for the engineers and everyone to see how how the tires are going to work on a track that's colder temperatures compared to like let's say atlanta where it was super hot out yeah um and that's something we did talk about right before um we came on was is this possibly a little too early to run a night martinsville race um would it be better suited maybe say pushing it back to where Talladega is now and swapping these two um, or even pushing it into like the first weekend of May, which I don't think is a bad idea. And then you brought up the point like this early in the season, there's always looking back, right. there's always a huge difference in the first set of short track races versus the second, you know, I mean, it's early in the season. You don't want to wad a ton of shit up, especially with these new cars. Um, and you don't want to make a ton of enemies to go have to fend them off again later. Um which is a good point. Alex said no skew made moving the guys impossible. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, especially we saw that last restart there. Joey Logano did his best. To he kind tried, of but I do think yeah. there's a key point that 
I think that a lot of people didn't catch on to is that he thinks that Byron coming out of turn two on the last lap, he kind of slowed up just a little bit and then he got back on the gas and that separated them. And it's yeah. something that's super counterintuitive, but I think it, it, it checked Logano up enough to where he was out of moving distance to where it's like, if he didn't do that, he probably gets moved. Right. Yeah. Was interesting. Like Joey could have got to him was with a complete dive bomb, like not letting mm-hmm. off from the three. Um, and Alex also says, can we take the underbody arrow off? Like we'll have it Bristol dirt. Um, I don't know how much that would solve. I'm sure it'd help a little bit. Um, I'm sure it would. The combination of everything really just kind of gave us a little bit of a boring race, which is still all right. Um, Willie B was the first repeat winner of the season. Does that surprise you guys at all? No, because Hendrick Hendrick's kind of had Chevrolet in general has just kind of has his car figured out this pretty early this season, and William Byron like it was either him or Chase who were going to win that race, and that kind of like to me it was kind of expected. I mean, they both ran pretty well in practice, and obviously Chase won the pool. So I think the Chevrolets right now just have something figured out a little bit early on than say your Fords and Toyotas have. Yeah, I think Byron was really good at Richmond, too. He was on the wrong strategy, obviously, but he was one of the better cars, and he lost that race. He almost, or no, he did. He almost won a couple other races, too, this year, but I do think that he's definitely better than I expected. I didn't think he was going to be the first repeat winner, but I could definitely have seen him win more than one race. If you're Chase Elliott, at what point for that nine team do you start to hit the panic button? Because oh, we have man. not seen him be near as dominant, um, not I'm, only the rest of Hendrick, I will, Harden, but just to chase his form. I I will counter that and say that the team concerns me, but the speed doesn't. Because yeah. he's probably been one of the three most consistent cars this season, if I had to pick. Like, I would say Blaney is probably the fastest car on average. Elliot's probably the next fastest, and then maybe, like, Chastain or something. So, yes, you know, he, yeah, those he's cars got- are, like, really quick. Yeah, he's got fast cars. I just don't think Allen makes the best calls for him or right, makes the right, adjust, right adjustments because I don't know what they did on that last pit stop because, like, like I said, he was probably going to lead about 390 laps at the rate it was going on Saturday. That pit crew yeah. is just not the greatest either. Like I think they lost spots to Byron on pit road, which kind of put them in second, and then there were team orders after that to let Byron in line, and that kind of just ended it for him. So. It seems like every time he's in a position to win, it's like the pit crew will lose like ten spots or whatever. It's yeah. the same problem yeah. that Blaney's team has. Yeah, him yeah. and Blaney yeah. have like the top top two worst pit crews in the. Yeah, yeah. I like Phoenix, I for example, in the uh, same boat as if um, if we get to say Indianapolis Road Course and neither of these guys have a win, that's when I'm really panicking as a Blaney fan, um, and I would oh, be yeah. a Space fan too, just because we I know that we've both of us have had speed. Um, it's just going to be trying to find those spots. And I don't think there's going to be many spots open to point your way in. Um, we've seen a lot of surprise winners this year already, and we haven't seen a lot of the guys that should get wins grab them yet. So I think, I think yeah. we'll get a good taste here with Chase because we got some of his good, better tracks coming. I mean, Talladega's coming up, Dover's coming up, Kansas coming up, Darlington's coming right. up. So, really good road courses. And, you know, the road courses. But, yeah, I would say probably about maybe midsummer. If he doesn't have a win yet, then you might have to look at like, uh, we'll see. Yeah. 
It also depends on how many other winners yeah. we have, because like at this rate, when we get all these different winners and probably like thirteen or fourteen, if I had to guess. Yeah, that's, I, I, that's yeah. probably what we'll end up getting again. I mean, we were on that train last year, and what was it like nine for nine with different winners? And then it just kind of like fell off a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, I think Larson twelve, thirteen, something like that. It was twelve, I think. Um, yeah, but either remember, way, yeah. Yeah, either either way, I think if you're about if it's about midsummer, maybe like th- two or three races left before the playoffs, then and even then, like if he gets a win on a road course, like that's that's cool. But you still got to look at he hasn't won on an oval since the 2020 championship, so right. that's also another thing to be looking at too. Is how's he going to do on an oval track, or how's he going to do on a non restrictor plate oval track? Honestly, like that happened to him last year too, and he did good on the ovals. Like he finished second seven times or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just, I guess it worked out in a way that he was, wasn't winning the races, but he was just there good enough to make the final four. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be, that's going to happen to him again to where maybe he doesn't win all the ovals. He just gets enough top fives and just coasts in the final four. Right. But he's got to have wins to do that. Like you can't just do it without playoff points. Yeah, I was kind of on William Byron a little bit before he started winning these races. I'm like, you know, because someone we were having all the debates with like Alex Bowman versus William Byron, and mm-hmm. then I was like, oh, William Byron's not going to win a championship if he doesn't win. Like William Byron's always been consistent, but can never pull off the wins. That was like the big argument with the Bowman stuff: how Bowman can get the wins, but it's not consistent. Now William Byron's racking up wins here and there, and I'm like, all right, so now yeah, it's like the opposite. It's like the opposite kind of here. He's being consistent, and now he's pulling off the wins. But then there's Chase Elliott, who doesn't have a win there. So, like, he's got the speed and consistency. Is he going to start popping off and get a couple wins rolling? Or what's – like, that's a big question mark with him moving forward. I think it's just – there's a lot of liabilities for the team, like the pit crew and whatnot. Like, if they can have a race go green, then they're probably going to win. It's just if there's a late pit stop, then probably not. Yeah, all bets are off. Right. Yeah, so I mean, I, th- I think that was just a, a good point to bring up just because we have seen him be so dominant recently, um, just not be able to kind of to capture the lightning in the bottle like we we're used to seeing from Chase. Um, before we kick it off here, I really have to pee. <laughs> so I will step yeah. off. Can you guys feel like a minute of airtime? Yeah, I got yeah, you. Let's see, 60, 59, 58, 57. <laughs> oh, man. Hmm. So what we already covered almost every main point from Martinsville. Who's uh, who's um, your surprise driver at Martinsville? I'll tell you mine. Oh after. man, let's see. Um, negative surprise. I can already name some. Like the entire Joe Gibbs Racing team, aside from a couple. Like mm-hmm. I know Kurt Busch was good for twenty three eleven, but I think Kyle Busch took tires late and he kind of got out of where he was running because he was like thirteenth all day and then he ended up yeah. Seven. But yeah. then Hamlin was like twenty eighth. He was Truex nowhere to be seen. He was nowhere to be seen. I was, yeah, I was surprised with those guys. Too. I was like, wow, these. Good. And I thought those guys were going to be the favorites. You know, we go to Martinsville. I'm looking at, like, obviously Joe Logano kind of finished up there, but I was expecting to kind of see, like, your Brad Kozlowski or Martin Truex up there. But the one guy I was surprised at was Austin Dillon there at the end. Oh, yeah. I thought that if he wouldn't have spun his tires, I think he was going to go full send and just run, yeah. really be up the up the lane and make it three wide in turn one. But I, I, that was a surprise too. I'm glad he actually picked the bottom because you know a lot of the drivers, even like the Xfinity race, were picking the top lane just to try to get a run out there. But I think I, they learned from that. I think if you start on the inside behind the leader, that might be your best bet. But he kind of just choked there and spun the tires and wasn't able to 
get rolling there like he wanted to and you could see how upset he was after the race and that he he yeah. knew he messed up and i kind of felt for him because like you know i kind of wanted to see austin dylan just do something like that just get the race a little bit more exciting because you know we all talk about that on the show how we just would rather not have a green white checkered finish but like after that race i was like biting my tongue like oh i kind of like this caution because maybe we'll see something but alex yeah. did bring up a good point before alex i'm sure you're watching thinking something like Colton go pee before the episode um, <laughs> I did up yours um I've been drinking a lot of water I've been sick he did bring up a good point Alex wrote a really good article um check it out on fanfuelmotorsports.com um about the race length argument that we've seen a lot this last week um stage cautions need to go and the race length argument um to summarize his article he says that there's not very many races that go over the four hour point which is a huge talking point for race length um and if you take out um stage cautions and competition yellows and then unnecessary green white checkers like the super lengthy you know red flags just to get the race in under green there are very few races that tick over that four hour mark um atlanta this year was one of them um that probably still would have been over that mark the coke 600 was another one um it's like three a year maybe yeah, um, I mean, like, three, three people, I mean, people who this is what upsets me about race length is like people will sit and watch the college football championship game that like starts at eight and then doesn't Five even end until mid, midnight, or your college basketball championship that's like nine to midnight, or the Super Bowl that lasts like six, six to like ten or eleven. I'm like, th those are longer than the race some of the races are like i think people just don't realize how quick the races are actually how quick they actually are that go by i mean if you're if you're a true fan and stuff you like seeing that like long stuff you know i've always enjoyed some heck i honestly like i know the i know the race wasn't that exciting but i was like kind of upset I'm like oh shoot this is only 400 miles i don't get to see 100 yeah. laps because the race honestly flew by like regardless oh, yeah, of how regardless of how the racing and stuff was like i was actually like man i wish this was the 500 mile race because there was getting down to like 10 to go i'm like man the race is over my night's done i kind of want 100 more laps you know but yeah it's tough like i did not like what Haley deegan said like oh we need to shorten the cup race by half and it's like like please, with yeah. all due respect please please stop talking before this gains traction like i don't want this to happen yeah, yeah uh, i don't want teenagers jumping on your side for the sake of being on Haley deegan's side yeah. hey if you like if you do like short track short races and stuff your local short track should probably be starting up soon if you want to see quick short racing then you can go up to your local short track and watch that not complain about nascar Please. Which yeah, is like, I don't point. see anybody complain about. Like, how come no? How come Xfinity or trucks aren't like the most popular series if the races are shorter? Yeah. Like, how come those aren't right. like? How are those not ten times better than a five hundred mile race? Right. Um, this year, I definitely think Alex, you're still listening. We need to do another episode about the uh, truck series and Xfinity series and how to improve those. Um, I'll bring back my fantasy truck schedule and go through it. Um, but to your point, Jared, local short tracks, absolutely, they are starting. Um, you all need to check out your local short tracks. Please go experience a good super late model race or late model race, modifies, anything like that. And guess what? You're still going to be there about four hours because there's six different classes that run, and they may only be 30-lap features, but if there's a caution, it takes 20 minutes to clean them up. Um, but please support your local short tracks. I'm heading down April 30th and May 7th to Colorado National Speedway. Um, so if any of you are listening in the Denver area, please come check it out. Um, Alex also said there was only five over three and a half hours in 2021. Only one was over four and that was the Southern 500. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a straw man argument. There's really, you have no basis to it. Um, 
With that being said, let's move into the actual topic of today's podcast. Um, it is titled Dirt Today, Tona. We are going to Bristol Dirt. So we're going to give you guys a little bit of knowledge. Um, Nate did quite a bit of research, actually, on the history of dirt drivers and kind of the evolution and the legacy it has put into NASCAR. Um, we're going to break these down into three categories. They're going to be swapping trajectory, uh, berm rippers, and fad takers. And we'll explain them all. The first one, swapping trajectory. So drivers that have that started out on dirt and then made the switch over either um, via open wheel or um, just straight into stock cars. And we are leaving Tony Stewart out of this. We are giving him. Yeah, we've got bigger things for him. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to see that in the summer, I would check back in the summer because we have a lot better things planned when it comes to Tony Stewart themes. Yeah. Um, so the swapping trajectory, um, a lot of, a lot of current NASCAR drivers have started on dirt and then switched over. Um, guys like Ricky Stenhouse um, immediately come to mind. Chase Briscoe is another one who really got their starts on dirt and then switched over to the asphalt side. Um, drivers from the past, Tim Richmond, Jeff oh, Gordon, yeah. um, and then fantasy driver Cole Trickle, for those of you who have seen Days of Thunder. Yeah, um, that was kind of what I did a little bit of research on beforehand. Um, I guess back in the day, it was a little bit more common for guys to start on dirt and then go to IndyCar because there was a lot of ovals that were run by USAC and CART. And a lot of the IndyCar drivers of the 60s and 70s, like Andretti or Foyt, they came from dirt and they raced a lot of dirt. Even when they were in IndyCar, they still went back and drove those for fun. Whereas I think when Tim Richmond started, he went from dirt, he moved to open wheel. He was, I think, he was the rookie of the year in the Indy 500, either 1980 or 1981. And then... He had a crash at Michigan. He was fine, but his family is like, you know, this is scary. We don't, we don't want you to be doing this. So he goes over to NASCAR the next year. I think Jeff Gordon was another one. He wanted to go to the Indy 500. Like that was his goal as a kid. But once he got to where he got, they figured out, you know, they're not going to be able to fund him for a cart ride because at the time cart was really, really popular. It was almost rivaling F1. I don't think, it was to that point, but in North America, it certainly was. And that's when they were like, hey, this is not a viable option. So you're coming to stock cars. And it turns out, obviously, it's for the better because I think it worked out for them because dirt seems to have more carryover for them. Yeah. And uh, Gordon, I remember being one. I've done a lot of research on him just in the past. Mm -hmm. just being a fan of NASCAR. Um, and I think it was a lot of his parents were saying like, hey, we can't do this. If you're going to do it, you have to find your own sponsorship. Um, right. and I think he was approached by Bill Davis um, yeah. to just kind of get a contract into the Cup Series. Um, Nate, you found out about a, a, an option that he had, and then he was oh, looking. Oh, yeah, that's well. kind of a cool one. Um, I, well, I guess this was back when he was a two-time champion already. He had an offer to by Craig Pollock for BAR, which was a new F1 team in the late 90s, early 2000s. The offer was that he would drive two years in cart for Team Cool Green, which is like the team that Paul Tracy drove for. It's very iconic if you're a fan of IndyCar and open wheel racing. His option was to drive for them for two years. And then if he was good, he would have the option to test an F1 car. And then if he's good in that, the option is to drive. So if he took that offer, it probably would have been a lot different. But it's interesting to think because – Nowadays, you don't normally think of dirt as like a pathway to IndyCar F1, but back then it certainly was because there weren't a lot of road courses back then. And when the split happened, 
the IRL was different than cart in the sense that every single one of their tracks was an oval. So guys like Ed Carpenter, for example, were they would come through USAC and they did really well. But then nowadays with road courses on there, that, that doesn't really happen anymore. So I think, I think Jeff Gordon had a big role in sort of starting the charge for guys that are good on dirt to go to stock cars. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Richmond were kind of the two greatest pioneers, obviously guys like Dale Earnhardt, um, you know, Lee Petty started on dirt um, as well as, I mean, countless others that did as well, just because asphalt had the money back then um, and dirt really wasn't paying out a ton, which is still kind of true today. Um, yeah. Moving into burn rippers. These are guys that race in NASCAR or that did race in NASCAR and that continuously went back to the dirt scene to race. Um, guys like Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Casey Kane, Stuart Friesen, um, both Austin and Ty Dillon, um, that constantly go back to support their roots and still whoop ass. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Dave, uh, Dave Blaney, he won uh, yep. Sharon. He yep. won at Sharon last year in the World of Outlaws. So I remember he just did a one-off, and everyone was so excited whenever Dave Blaney won. Yeah, yeah. Former uh, Chili Bowl winner. Yeah, yeah he has a very, very rich history on dirt. I'm sure many of you are aware. Yeah. Yeah, Dave Blaney is a dirt guy. Um, but, I mean, modern day, everyone thinks of Kyle Larson. Um, yeah. Christopher you know, Bell, too. Christopher Bell, yeah. They whoop ass in NASCAR um, and then will hop on dirt and drive seemingly anything and still find a way to win races. Um, yeah, you, you, know, see Larson, guys, you see a lot of guys now trying to do that, too. Like, I know Alex Bowman has a sprint car team, and he just raced a couple dirt races this year. Chase Elliott's done a few sprint races i know kyle bush is doing some he did a couple micro sprints races whenever in the same weekend that brexton's been racing so i think mm -hmm. you might start seeing more of those guys do those types of deals especially with how many more have started to do it this past year yeah yeah and even guys in the past like uh, jason leffler was always a big <laughs> dirt guy um you know midweek he was always at some track or another um there's been quite a bit of them that not only race in nascar but that go back every chance they get or whenever they feel like it and run under it, whether it be a sprint car, a late model, like the Dillons usually run um, even a midget. We see Christopher Bell do really good in the midgets um, and some of the winged sprints. Um, so, I mean, those are some really good guys. And obviously there's tons that still do it. Ricky Stenhouse does it. Um, we, we saw even uh, Ryan Newman go back and do some races. Um, he's kind of a chili bowl regular the last couple of years. Um, I think I think Justin Allgaier did the uh, <laughs> Flor the Florida Nationals this year in the dirt car series. Yeah, yeah, and that moves us into fad takers. So guys that um, have started on asphalt or have been primarily asphalt, and then more recently, within the last ten years or so, jumped back over to dirt or to dirt for the first time. Guys like Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, um, Casey Casey Kane. We, we'll do. Yeah, uh, we forgot to mention him. Yeah, we'll yeah, mention Casey him. Kane. Yeah, he yeah. did. Uh, he's hasn't. He, right? Yeah, he yeah he raced uh, NASCAR for so long. I mean, he did. He would do. He has obviously he has his own sprint car team. But this season, he's doing his first full time World of Outlaws series tour. I know he's kind of been off the past couple weeks because of that crash that he had the first week. But he was planning on running all the races with the with the touring series. So I think that's that's pretty cool for him, especially at his age and not being in a full time type season deal since his NASCAR career kind of ended. Yeah, and Kane is uh, he owns Brad Sweet's car, which has won the last three World of Outlaws titles. Um, so he is very decorated on dirt and was always a big dirt guy um, up until he came into NASCAR. Um, he always said that he wished he would have run a few more dirt races during his NASCAR career. Um, I don't know that it so much would have helped him, but it probably wouldn't have hurt. 
Um, you know, so Case Kane's another big one. Um, mm-hmm. Stuart Friesen still runs a lot on dirt. Yeah, so um, does his wife. His wife runs pretty well. So does his wife, yeah. Um, yeah. I remember he had a big uh, crash in a big block modified earlier this year. Yeah, something interesting is he was actually NASCAR's hired test driver for the next-gen car on dirt to where he tested it so much he's not allowed to run this week at Bristol Dirt because they're <laughs> really? like, they're like oh, yeah, well, you, you're the only guy with like a huge number of laps in this car, so you, you don't get to race the cup race, which Quick, I find uh, that interesting because I didn't know that he wasn't racing until someone said that, and I was like, you know what? Now it kind of makes sense. Quick sidebar. Last year we saw some uh, kind of one-off rides in the cup series with dirt being Stuart Friesen. Um, and then, like, Shane Golubic got a start yeah. as well. Have you guys seen any entries like that this year? I know um, the Truck Series has a couple off ones. Oh, um, oh man. I have to yeah. check that one out. Double check this one. It, it was super cool seeing Shane Golubic get a cup start last year. Um, there were, like, Chris Windham. There was um, – Yeah, Chris Windham. Yeah, Chris uh, like yeah. Marlar. Yeah. was, like, a Truck Series driver. Yeah, there's Nothing there's yet. no one really on the there's no no one. Josh Williams is in the seventy eight, Justin Allgaier's in the seventy seven, everything else is normal. JJ Yaley's in the fifteen and Noah Gragson's in the sixteen, but get your regulars and those guys. Yeah. Yaley will be one to watch for as like a sleeper pick. He could really oh, yeah. easily sneak his top twenty out of there. He's really good on dirt. Um you mentioned uh Yeah, the trucks that, yeah, the trucks the trucks truck series got has some Interesting names in there. So, yeah, uh, who's, who we got in the trucks? Um, I think Austin Dillon's gonna be in a truck race. Yeah, Chase Elliott was starting the Spire Seven. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Austin Dillon's in the twenty. Harrison Burton's in the seventeen. Logano too, right? Logano. Uh, He's on there somewhere. Fifty. Oh, this is funny. He's in the fifty-four Ford for Team G- DGR. I, I thought that was funny. Jessica Friesen's in the 62. Um, yeah. yeah. I was really hoping, and we'll probably see it at Knoxville, guys like uh, Kyle Strickler make another start. Um, he was Bobby really Pierce. Cool I remember Bobby him from Pierce. Eldora a few years ago. Yeah, Bobby Pierce would be a cool one to see. I want to see Sean Hondenshield race a truck at Knoxville. Yeah, that would be cool. It just matters of whether or not his schedule lines up. Um, we did see Donnie Schatz do it last year and did fairly well. Um, so that's always interesting. I always like these kind of one-off races that some of the guys do. It makes it feel kind of like a uh, when the World Outlaws go to a local track, mm-hmm. you always might get one or two local starters. Um, that's kind of what it feels like. And then the fad takers, we kind of touched on them a little bit. Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, um, Joey Logano, guys that – Got their start on asphalt, were primarily asphalt, and then jumped to the dirt scene. Um, Chase yeah, has been a really big one of these for me. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he just recently started doing some sprint. I think he did the Chili Bowl this year. Yep. Yeah, he did Chili Bowl this year. I think he ran it last year, too. Um, had a big flip in the Chili Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right here. Chad, Chad brought it up. Tyler Carpenter, super late model. Uh, feature winner in the Dome at the Gateway Dirt Nationals over this last December. Um, he will run at Knoxville in a Nice Motorsports truck. Um, he is not afraid to say anything on camera. <laughs> yes, I've seen his interviews. <laughs> he is going to be fun in an interview, especially if he gets pissed off late in the race. I'm, gl- I'm glad they actually followed, followed through with the else. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool one. Um, I'm not a huge Tyler Carpenter fan. I was cheering for him this last year. 
Um, but it'll be interesting to see, and it's cool to see another dirt guy get a start. Yeah, and even Truex, like you mentioned, like I remember he raced in the truck dirt race last year. No, I wasn't expecting anything to do, and he goes yeah. out there and just dominates the race. Right. Yeah, that was interesting. I think he just got in that for seat time because he'd never driven on dirt. He's like, I need to practice something, and sure he enough, he ends up being really good at it. Yeah. Um, now with the track this year, they are running it at night. Jared, you and I can probably talk a little bit more on this than Nate could. Sorry, Nate. Um, they're running it at night, um, which should help the dryness factor of it. Uh, mm -hmm. They are putting mud flaps on the back of the tires that I saw. They're not running that aero um, underbody on the cars. How do you think this is going to affect the racing? I think it'll be a little bit better because now that it'll be at night and cooler, there'll be some more moisture in the track. And I think now that they have an idea on how to track prep from last year, I think that this year the track will be definitely prepared a lot better and they'll, they'll know what to do, what not to do, ETC with that stuff. Yeah. Like I'm not an expert on dirt by any means, but last year was pretty bad. Like there were ruts all over the track. You couldn't see. And it's just, I expect dirt to be like a multiple grooves and it, it felt like they were just running the bottom the entire race. Yeah. I think a big, big thing I saw last year was not only the mud and the truck race. Remember that had to get delayed um, yeah. just because they got caked like two laps in. Um, but uh, as soon as the first practice was over and I could see like sheeting on the, the dirt, um, I could have told them right away that was going to happen. But of course, you know, armchair track prep here. Um, I think the dust was a huge issue that we won't have near as bad of a time with this year, just because it is running at night. It's going to be easier to keep that moisture in. Um, I hope we see a two groove track. These things are so damn heavy. I don't think we will, but I'd love to see it. Um, at very least, I'd like to see guys to be able to get to each other a little bit easier um, with those mud flaps on that should um that should kind of help the visibility and the ability just to get to someone's bumper. Um, Alex chimed in. Larson did say there's no cushion at Bristol too, um, which would make sense. Mm -hmm. So I just want to see some slide jobs or an old. Right. I'd like to see the middle or the top be the dominant lane. Yeah. Yeah. And then Chad chimed in your dirt veterans were running the top and bottom. All others were running the bottom only. Um, that is a good point. We did see guys like Stenhouse uh, venture out and find some other lines, um, which I think it'll just be amplified this year. It'll be interesting at night. Obviously, night races yes. are a little bit more um, energetic and kind of bring out tempers a little bit more. Especially um, at Bristol. Especially oh, yeah. at Bristol. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I am I can say I'm more excited about it this year than I was last year just because of the changes they did make. Yeah. We got heat races, too, if it doesn't rain. I, right. I, we didn't have those last year because of the rain. I'm just being biased here. I wish the race wasn't on Easter just so I could actually go to the race. If it was a Saturday night, I would go. But with how my work schedule is, I will not be able to attend that race. Yeah, which that would be a banger. Um, Cody Powers has been there for the Bristol Dirt Nationals. Um, I mean, he loves it there. He's like 20 minutes from the track. Um, so definitely on my bucket list to keep it going. Um, and it turns out to be a really good event. Um, other than that, that's kind of all I had for the dirt guys. Um, any last previews for Bristol dirt? Oh man, it's gonna be interesting. Like I think that we didn't really get to see Larson and Bell have a full race because they got they kind of took each other out so early last year. I think it might be interesting to see what they can do if, if they get the full race. You know, they might are they gonna run away with it? Or are they not? Who knows? Like that's that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to see if Daniel Suarez can get redemption from last year because he ran surprisingly well last year before this kind of like 
big uh, boom of track house. So I think now that they got the speed and he's got the experience there, I'd like to see if he can redeem himself, get a win there, at least run up there. And another guy I'm looking at, I'm looking at Austin Dillon. I'm, he had a really good Martinsville race. And I think he's kind of like flying under the radar this year. With, oh, yeah. I think he's had three top tens in a row now and yep. third place at auto club. And I think he had, a, he had a truck series win on at an Eldora way back when the first so he's, one, I think. So he's got some dirt experience in his roots, so I could also see him running up there well, and I think he's going to get a win here, whether it's next week or within the next couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, There is a guy, I don't know if we're doing picks again this week. We didn't last week. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. I I don't know, like there's, I don't know who's keeping track of it, so I'm Did did anyone, did you guys, any of you guys pick last week? Because I know I thought about on the way home, like, shoot, I didn't pick anyone for the race. No, we didn't. Um, I was like, I'm confused, yeah. I do have a guy that I think is going to win the race that I would okay. honestly put money on, but I don't want to tell you guys because I don't want you to steal my pick. Because <laughs> I, I have, won't... I have an idea oh, who man. it is. It's probably like Bubba or Blaney or something. I know. Nope. Who, I think I think I know who it is. I'm not going to say it, but I think I know who it is. I won Coda, so by same standards, I should pick first, right? Oh no, because we did we did pick at Richmond. Uh, Nate was just pissed that I picked into the road. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't remember. I picked Austin Dillon, so I don't know where I would have been. Yeah, um, but we'll go over that. Um, maybe I'll uh, I'll hint it on race day who I think is going to win and who I think y'all should put money on. So be sure to follow me on Twitter at Cranmore Colton. Um, they did reshape. It's going to be like Ty Dillon or something. Nope, nope. You'll be surprised. They did uh-huh. reshape the turns to promote better racing by taking some banking out. That is another good point that I forgot to bring up. Um, the banking is not near as steep this year, um, which I think will promote more side-by-side racing. So you're not chasing it up the hill quite as much as you are just kind of leaning on that banking. Yeah. Um, other than that, you guys have any final words? I mean, we didn't really go off on a tangent yeah. like we did last week. I don't know. Are there any tangents you want to go on? Like some of it, these dirt drivers that came to NASCAR or just, I, I'm kind of thinking because there's a lot of them, like you said, and there's, a lot of things that you can gain from them, like information wise. I think I just like car, I think just like car control and stuff. Like the more yeah, seat yeah. time you have in any type of track, and I think especially with dirt, you be you're able to like you have to control car control a lot better, feel <laughs> the car. And I think you race more dirt and get that feel for a car. I think that's going to help you in whatever series you're moving up, whether it's NASCAR, mm-hmm. IndyCar, F1. You got that car control down. So if you're spinning or something, you're like, all right, I know how to race on dirt. I might be able to control this a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, like I think it definitely teaches you how to drive off the right rear tire, which is interesting because I know that it's it's interesting watching dirt guys come in versus watching asphalt guys come in because they're two different things. Like you'll notice that the dirt drivers are usually a lot faster when they come in, but it's harder to get them to learn quickly because they haven't had to save tires, they haven't had to deal with long races, they haven't had to they haven't really had to deal with that stuff before, like protecting tires and long races and then the asphalt guys come in they're already used to long races they're already used to tire management but they're kind of at a deficit in terms of just raw talent i think so it's interesting to watch those paths collide like you're watching let's say a william byron who comes from asphalt or watching let's just say yeah chase briscoe it's very interesting watching them i think that they're both valid paths it's just fun to watch to watch them intersect yeah yeah, exactly. Um, it'll be a damn good weekend. Um, Chad did bring up 
Uh, last little point here. Super late model star Mike Marler will be running the truck race. His former World of Outlaws late model champion. Um, we did have Rick Eshelman on. We should have asked him about Mike Marler. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> this would have been a great week for Rick Eshelman had he not been traveling all over the country. Um, other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm I think I'm set to go. It fucking snowed here again today, which is great. Um, wow. 70 degrees. 70 one degrees more here. mark of snow here. Yeah. It'll stop snowing hopefully by my birthday on the 17th of May. Um, and then we move right into hail season. Yeah. So I love Wyoming. Windier and shit out today. Shocking. Yeah, it's always windy here. Yep, um, seven, seven degrees in central PA this week. It was 60 yesterday, 70 today. I think it's supposed to be in the 60s tomorrow. Then next week, it's going to be in the mid-40s all week. Oh, man. Word. Yeah, it's 74 outside right now. It was just... seven degrees when I woke up this morning. Um, awesome. It's 26 out now. And the highest I will see this week is 55 degrees. Yeah, sweet. Um, other than that, you guys be sure to check us out on fanfieldmotorsports.com. Check out that most recent article by Alex. That was a great um, article he put out about the length of races. Um, follow us on Twitter at fanfieldmsm, capital F, capital F, capital MSM. Go like us on Facebook, Fanfield Motorsports. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Fanfield Motorsports. Um, and then be sure to check us out next week. We do have more big things planned, not only for next week, but for the coming months as well. Um, I don't want to tease too much about it yet, but there's a really, really big show coming um, later this summer. In addition to the Tony Stewart show, we had the JPM one last year where he did nothing but talk about Juan Pablo Montoya and his achievements. We're going to do that this year with Tony Stewart, um, a driver who I think is more than deserving of it. Um, I also tease that we have some stuff coming on the website too, coming up in the future. We got yeah. some got something working on that too. So yep. hopefully, hopefully this will be... A lot better for about this is probably about what our half year anniversary of the site being launched now. Yeah. Oh, we're oh, oh yeah. Anyway, Alex just pointed out. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, because um, we have September, October, November, December, January, February, March. We're about half. We've we've launched about half a year, so we're about at the half little, year mark. A little over half a year. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think Alex pointed out next week is wide open fan fuel. Yep. So wide open like, if you want to get on, then come on. Everyone is like, invited questions to be on us. the show. We will be sending out uh, links on Facebook and Twitter before the podcast to make sure mm -hmm. that you guys can jump in. Um, if you do, please shoot us a comment, shoot us a message. Um, we will get you a link. We will get you in if you would like to be on the show for a little bit. Um, other than that, man, that's going to be fun. I love our wide open fan fuels. Yeah, if I can make it next week, I really want to make it on next week because yeah. I haven't done a full wide open one yet. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Last week we kind of kind of had a half throttle fan fuel. We brought Cody Powers on, mm -hmm. um, so that was pretty fun. Our streak yeah. ended with Cody. Cody's been on the last two shows. I yeah. know. Yeah, damn it. Um, Sorry, that, Cody. Please check us out again. Check out that most recent article. Um, and Nate, you also had a really good article you posted on there recently as well um, mm -hmm. about JGR at. Uh, was it short tracks or just Richmond? Uh, well, truth be told, I never got the JGR article out. Oh, like I said it. I was going to pick it up one day, and then I just didn't pick it up and I didn't realize <laughs> it until the race was over. So I did get the Kurt Busch article out a couple weeks ago for the What If Wednesday thing we did. Um, I might be doing another What If article soon here if I can find a topic, but I'm kind of stuck deciding, so depends. And I do have – I've been sitting on notes for like a month and a half now um, about a very – well-known Twitter celebrity 
Um, I'm going to be writing a fan spotlight on him. Probably the first actual fan spotlight we have written in article form. Um, so if you're watching Dalton Good, I have your notes. I didn't forget about you. Um, I did for a couple weeks. I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> the article will be coming. Um, other than that, yeah, please check us out on Twitter. There is also a link um, to fill it out if you'd like to be a part of the Fan Fuel gang. Um, other than that, you guys have a great one. Be ready for wide open Fan Fuel next week. Let's go. Yeah, we'll see you.